Welcome to the Peeling the Onion podcast, where we peel back the layers of health. I'm your host, Nancy Campbell, joined by my co-host, Cheryl Passwater. And today we're very excited to dive deep into one of the foundations of our wellness, hydration, which has brought us to the work of today's guest, Dr. Dana Cohen, author of the book, Quench. We're so excited to have Dana here today. This book is a gem. I originally heard from Dana from my friend Meg Ricicci, and Dana is an integrative and functional medicine practitioner in New York City. She's been rocking um, that for the last 20 plus years. And Quench, again, fantastic read. Um, it's something that I read a few months back and the minute I read it and then Nancy and I got peeling the onion up and running, I was like, we have to have Dr. Tana Cohen on. I'm so excited. Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell. Join us in a range of experts as we explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health and talk through ideas for how we can support your wellness journey. Let's jump in and peel the onion. Dana, welcome to Peeling the Onion. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So one of the things we, we really loved to understand is your personal journey to, to the, the, the field that you're in and why are you in functional medicine? How did you okay. get there, Dana? Please tell us more about yourself. Okay, sure. So I, you know, most functional medicine doctors that I know now have had some kind of horrible catastrophe where no doctor can help heal them or their family member. And they, they happen to, to somehow find a functional medicine practitioner who's helped them. Um, I don't have a juicy story like that. <laughs> I, um, I was in finishing up and, and unfortunately I don't come from a very healthy, fortunately and unfortunately, I don't come from a very healthy family either. Uh, both my parents died fairly young when my mom died of Alzheimer's. My mom, my father died of a heart attack at 62. Um, and I do not have a good foundation, um, but I was finishing up residency at Albany Med and there was an ad on the wall that said world-renowned wellness center is looking for a doctor. And I was thinking, I remember so clearly, I was thinking, oh, I bet this is a a spa. I want to work in a spa. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I took it and I, um, I called the number and it was for Dr. Atkins. And this was in 1998. And, um, and I ended up, you know, interviewing with him. And I, I put a lot of thought, I was like, what am I getting myself into? I asked all the cardiologists at Albany Med, what do you think? And blah, blah, blah. And, and his book at that point was, was, was up on the bestseller list again. Um, I ended up taking the job and I thank God for him every day. He changed my life, changed my life. He taught me things. So, uh, you know, full disclosure, I was hating medicine also at the time. I was $200,000 in debt, can't turn back and had to work. Um, and he taught me a completely different way of thinking and um, and made me love medicine again. And And so I saw miracles there on a daily basis, miracles by just taking the sugar out of your diet, by changing your diet, you know, people like literally coming in every day, jumping up and down saying, I feel so much better. I feel so much better. Mm -hmm. 
and I will tell you, I was, I was skeptical. I was skeptical for a very long time. I fought him on everything for the first six months. I would go, you know, where are the studies? What are you, you know, is, what are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And he, he taught me, he just taught me things. He was actually quite brilliant. Um, he had an incredible mind, Dr. Atkins. And, um, and he taught me so much. And, and when you see the difference in patients, you didn't need to, you didn't need to, you know, you got it. You got it pretty quickly. Right. Right. And I get a sense from you from, from reading Quinch and getting some anecdotes from, from the book around your practice that that clinical evidence for you is just as important as, as the studies, or if not just at least putting you on the right scent to something that seems to be a solution for your patients. For sure. For sure. You know, it's, it turns out that what we think we know everything about hydration and H2O, and um, it turns out that we know, we don't know a lot and there's no, there's no um, perfect way to measure subclinical dehydration or low grade dehydration. So you have to look at things clinically and honestly, there'll never be a study to look at some of the things that we ask for. You have to, you have to use your, you know, what, what we, what we've all lost, the art of medicine. Um, but it also has to be grounded in science. Um, and, and when I, I'm always very careful, and even in the book, I'm really careful about writing what is my sort of theory or my hypothesis and what is the study, you know, so that people do have the whole information. Um, so it, 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 it's, you have your feet in both, both, um, both courts, but the, the art of medicine is a uh, a lost. Can you define the art of medicine for us. What do you mean by that? So, because there's no. All right, I'm going to give you an example. Let me think about something. Um, the art of medicine would be. I'm going to take a regular example from regular um, medicine. Great. Um, I'm so excited. So this is how people are going to understand it. This is not necessarily what I believe in, right? So a person comes to see a cardiologist and um, they have chest pain and they don't necessarily meet the criteria of having a, um, a, a catheter to look at their, or their coronary arteries, but cardiologists order it anyway. Um, because it's there, it's, you know, and, and cardiologists are the first people to say, like, everything is grounded in science. Like, you know, they prescribe statins off label all the time. You know, people don't meet the the criteria for statins, but it's in their, their, their opinion, their art of medicine, what they know to be true. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the art of medicine. It's not necessarily so black and white on everything. For me, the art of medicine is not prescribing statins all the time. And even maybe when they meet criteria, because I know that first line of therapy, first line of treatment is lifestyle and diet changes, you know? So it's, it's trusting your doctor, looking at, at the bigger picture. Um, and that's, that's really the art of medicine to me. Yeah. Yeah, when when I, I hear the art of medicine, that I was also in a, after having read Quench and listening to some of the case studies that come out of the book and and come out of your practice, it made me think about how much you use just observation, how much you trusted your your patients to report mm. their symptoms and to be and to and to know and, and to see that as truth. Yeah, um, and I think one thing that Cheryl and I are aiming to emphasize in, in the body of this podcast is 
the truth about our intuition and being intuitive about our symptoms and our needs, which, which integrative health practitioners um, yeah. do have an art around or need one. Cheryl, yeah. do you want to jump in? Well, I was going to say also, like, you know, I always tell people, like, functional medicine is really, we're just detectives, <laughs> right? I was like, we are just looking at a bigger puzzle that sometimes other kinds of doctors or practitioners aren't necessarily trained to look at the full thing. I was like, we're like the Rubik's cube, you know, and I was like, and that, you know, it's like, you're, you're untangling, you know, a pile of wires, kind of, you know, and I was like, it's this hackery sort of thing. But I was like, you know, I was like, you know, I was telling my friend the other day, I go, um, you know, medicine can be amazing triage. It can be rapid relief sometimes when somebody's really in agony. My arm gets ripped off. I want a surgeon. Like, you know, it's like, it's not that medicine is the art, the art of medicine is wholly, you know, bad, but so many things can be treated from the root up just by things like hydration and food and style and breathing exercises and, you know, so many things. And um, yeah, yeah, I think think, exciting part. um, I think, uh, yeah, I I often say I'm a sleuth. (laughs) I think I might even have that on my website. Um, And I also say that what makes me a really good doctor is not that I'm the smartest person in the room, but I am the best listener in the room. Um, And I think it's everything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when people walk in your door, Dana, that they, they haven't been listened to for years. Oh, completely, completely. You know, and I I have to say the one thing I I do worry about with um, zoom telehealth um, is you know, your visit starts when I watch you walking in from the from the from the waiting room to come sit down with me. You know, I'm a trained observer. These are all things that are taken into place. You don't you lose some of that on on telehealth. I mean, granted, I'm I'm so pro technology and all that stuff, but there's there's there is that art of medicine. You know, people often say too, they come to my office, it feels old worldly. It feels, you know, you know, like, like with, with cooking and, and, um, and what you guys are doing, it's all about going back, you know, to basics, um, going back to sort of um, nature and basics and, and old timey, there's certain things that we've lost. Um, And I truly think that feeling listened to and that art of medicine is lost because of insurance companies. I'm sorry to say it, you know, we're not going to get political here, but it is, it's um, doctors, you know, and, and poor doctors, like, I don't know anybody who would ever want to go into primary care in this day and age, who would want to do that? It's so crazy. You know, what you have to go through, what kind of hurdles you have to do just to get a patient in the door and see that patient and what kind of money goes out from that doctor's office and how many people you have to hire in order to take care of that patient. It's, it's just, it's a mess. Well, and I also like, you know, it's interesting because like so many of those, you know, doctors, it's like they're trained to treat with pills and so few of them get nutritional education or, you know, herbs or, you know, anything else. So I had this conversation with my father-in-law recently, um, who's going through cancer. And I was like, you know, I was like, do you realize, like, do you see the pattern? Like you get nauseous, they give you another pill. You throw up once, they give you another pill and he's starting to see it. And now he's using food as part of his healing journey. And he's 
you know, like trying to undo the constipation and, you know, like all other sort of things. And I think, um, yeah, I feel, I feel that sadness too. I see it, I see it happening. And, you know, even on my own healing journey, um, you know, I, I don't, I hate to put, I I mean, I'm going to put it this way, but like, you know, seeing like the medical system sort of failing me Yeah, yeah, and going to doctors and yeah. I mean, imagine a doctor having 35 patients in a day and then your father-in-law calling saying, I'm nauseous. Well, what, what more can they do than prescribe something? And I, you know, that's how I explained to him. I go, it's not their fault. This is all they know how to do. And I was yeah. like, you have to, I was like, that's where it's like, you know, you have to have some empathy and understand like they are, do, they're helping you because that's how they've been trained to help you, but it's not the only solution. And so Well, I'm going to give you one bit of good news. The good news is this. Um, 22 years ago when I first started um, and I would have, you know, a patient would come in. I was working for Dr. Atkins and as a primary care doctor, I know like I got to call that patient's doctor and and go over some stuff, let them know I'm seeing them, blah, blah, blah. And I would get hostile. You know, I'd get I'd get um, greeted by hostility with these other doctors. Today, it's a completely different, you know, ballgame. They are like, Oh, tell me more about what are you doing? Where did you learn this? I want to learn more. Like it's so different. Um, and uh, so I, I think the ball is rolling. I mean, I, I, patients are demanding it. So it's, it's, it's hopefully rolling in the, in the other direction and doctors are burnt out and not happy anyway. So. Well, and that's a great segue to to sort of thinking about how you're approaching your practice differently and why, why little things, I mean, People think it's little, but why the perception of this little thing called hydration is actually important. Um, will you give us a bit of background of, of why you went down the rabbit hole of hydration? Um, yes, uh, it's, it's uh, so once again, gosh, I can't believe I'm bringing him up so much today. Um, uh, having worked for Dr. Atkins, I've always known you need a book to, to have a platform in this field. And I was constantly searching for my book. What's my book going to be? What's my book going to be? 15 years later, I still couldn't find my book. Um, I didn't want to write another book on hormones and thyroid, which I happen to do a lot of. I just, I didn't think there was anything more that could be said about that. Um, and my co-author, Gina Bria, came in to see me one day. She brought me this gorgeous, delicious smoothie, sat down in front of me. She made an appointment to, to talk to me about what she was doing with something called the Hydration Foundation. And I, I remember thinking, oh God, she's going to sell me a, you know, a, a multi-level marketing water purifier kind of thing. And, um, and she sat down and started telling me about the work of Dr. Gerald Pollack, who's a world-renowned water researcher based at uh, University of Washington in Seattle. And he is the guy who has discovered a fourth phase of water. And she sat there telling me this stuff. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You are blowing my mind right now. H2O, the simplest molecule in the world that we all know exists in three phases, liquid, ice, and vapor. And, um, and she's saying, nope, there's a new phase discovered and that's gel or structured water and it's H3O2. Um, and, and started telling me about his work. And she's also a cultural anthropologist. She had done her research on how desert plants hydrate. Um, and then we, we shared uh, a bond. Both our mothers died in a nursing home um, with, with uh, dementia. And, and she told me the story of how she helped her mother, who was uh, being constantly sent to the emergency room for overt dehydration. And, and, and then she asked the nurses to start put a little chia in her morning juice. And never again did she have to be rushed for, for dehydration. 
So, so we bonded on that and she's telling me all this stuff and I'm, I'm looking at her and I was like, Gina, this is my book. I have always, you know, my, you're, when somebody comes to see me for years, what do you eat and what do you drink? How much do you drink? You know, and, and so I've only, always known the importance and, uh, but she, she taught me things that I just didn't know. And I said, do you want to write the book? And she said, yeah. And so that's how it got started. And I will say, then we really started to, to dive into the research of it. And I'm not a researcher and I'm especially not a water researcher. And that simple molecule turns out to be incredibly, incredibly complicated. And I was like, oh, what did I get myself into? Um, but we pulled it off and, and I am so proud and happy with, uh, with the book. And, um, and I wanna say something, cause I say this in every podcast and I'd like to say it in the beginning cause I need people to really, really like plant their feet down and hear it is that hydration is the single most important thing you can do to treat and prevent chronic disease. Start here, start here before you start with any diet, any nutrition, any supplement program, you need to learn how to hydrate first. Yeah. Well, it's like, you're going to die of dehydration before you're going to die of starvation. Right. Isn't it like that? The, the rule of thumb, I mean, we've been really into this TV show called alone where they drop you in the middle of the woods and it's always dehydration. It's going to be the thing that gets you up yeah. from everything else, you know, it's like, not alone and naked, is it? Or na- oh, no, I'm thinking yeah. naked and afraid or something, naked and afraid, but it is um, <laughs> similar. Ish. You still, you're, you're not naked. I mean, right. Want to do that? I mean, I'm an adventurous woman, but come on, like I can't, I can't get enough of that show. I love it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, you know, they're they're survivalists. They're that's what they. It's what they. You know, I I find it really interesting because the truth is, I don't think I could last three days. <laughs> oh, I think I I think I got at least a couple weeks in me. Oh, I I don't think I could. I how could I kill a. I don't even know how to catch a fish, <laughs> you know, like with, with okay. nothing. Spend some time with me. I'm okay. Do <laughs> things, do a little foraging. Yeah. Know, some fish. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just barter. Like I can cook this thing if you could catch it. So <laughs> figure out a joint approach. I would be team building. Yeah. Yeah. In team building. That would be my, the version of my show. Oh, perfect. I'm, I'm clearly yeah. going to be the survivor of the group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, so on that note though, let's say you are the consultant to naked and alone. What are you going to say to all those thirsty people on the show? What's your advice <laughs> to all of these thirsty? Oh gosh, that's a really hard one. Um, <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I don't think I could, I, you know, that's, that's a really hard question to answer. Cause like, once again, I'm not a survivalist. So maybe eat the leaves, eat, find some, some good, good greens that you can eat because the truth is we can, nature has locked hydration in, in, in foods. And the best way to get hydration is by eating greens, you know, think about uh, celery, think about iceberg lettuce, you can see the water in them. Um, you can, you know, so, so find some edible leaves and, and you can survive a lot longer. And maybe even there's, there's some, I don't want to say literature, but there, there may be that um, you don't need to drink any water if you're eating, eating well, if you're eating enough if you're eating your water enough, that is, um, don't, don't quote me on that, but there is, there are people that, that, that do that. And I, I mean, there, I know it to be true. I know it to be true for myself. There are days that go by that I don't drink any water, but I eat really well and I'm feeling really good and I'm fine. You know, I have lots of vegetables. And so. Well, and, and so what, what do you, are you just telling me that the, the whole, you know, eight glasses a day is, <laughs> 
just like we need to throw it out the window and just, you know, eat yeah. raw vegetables. What are you trying to say? I, I'm saying it's different for everybody. Um, yeah, not, I can't say that nobody needs water. Um, but, uh, some people don't, some people may be drinking too much water. I, I think overhydration is a thing as much as underhydration is a thing. But, um, I, what I'm, what I'm trying to tell people, what I'm trying to teach people is we need to live in our bodies. We need to, um, you know, honor what our bodies tell us and learn what it feels like and what you know to to be well hydrated um, and that may be one glass of water with great lots of vegetables for somebody or it may be 200 ounces for Tom Brady you know um, so it, it it's it's so different for everybody and the eight glasses of water is um, it, it, it doesn't come from anywhere it comes from a, a, a bunch of people sitting around saying yeah this is what we think to be true um so it's yeah yeah i was just gonna say if we could guide us through a little bit of what does good hydration look like can you define that so if if i'm at home trying to figure out if my elderly mother is is well hydrated if my child is well hydrated if i'm dehydrated what what is that what does hydration and dehydration look like and how how do we figure that out Great. So the the I think the best sort of bang for your buck to to tell if you're you're hydrated enough is that we are meant to urinate every two or three hours during our waking hours. Um, so it's hard for your elderly mother though. That might be really painful and hard to do. And you know we sort of. Um, on purposely, on purpose, not drink enough water so that we don't have to get up and move as much as we want to. That was what was happening with Gina's mom in the nursing home. She didn't want to bother anybody either to help her get up from the nursing home. So she stopped, you know, but that is what we're meant to do. So that if that alone is, I think the best thing, but, but let's talk about the other things. You want to look at the color of your urine. The color should be a, a pale yellow or straw color. You don't want it to be too dark. Um, if you if you take a B vitamin, then all bets are off because it's, you know, yeah. Um, and you don't want it to be crystal clear either. You know, I, I've done experiments on myself where I've gone to a conference in Las Vegas and I'm like, I'm going to hydrate the crap out of myself. And, and, you know, you put the, they have the pitcher of water on your table in the, in the, in the room and uh, in, um, in the lecture room. And, and I'm filling up my glass hour after hour, by the end of the day, I'm exhausted and my pee is crystal clear. And, and it didn't change anything, didn't change the way I was thinking. And I have to be honest, conferences are exhausting. You know, you're sitting there all day, your brain is working, you're trying to take all this in so much information. Um, and then when I, when I started to do it right, by, by some, let's say, electrolytes or smoothies or those kind of things, there was a huge difference. By the end of the day, I was ready to go party and go out to dinner and, and my brain was functioning great, you know, so. Um, what does clear pee indicate? If it's, you you've just, like, oh, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out as much as I'm taking in. That's important too, obviously, but. Yeah, well, so it could be okay. Once again, it could be okay for somebody, but often um, by the, you know, if you're drinking so much, what we call bulk water, meaning just plain water, nothing else added to it, no electrolytes, no, you know, no, no infusions, no, no, nothing. So, but plain bulk water, you're flushing out everything. You're flushing out electrolytes. You're fresh. You're, you know, you're flush. You're not putting in any electrolytes. You're not putting any fiber, and you're not holding on to that water. So your water is nothing in it. It's it's going in and coming straight out the way the way it was. So 
you know, I think somebody, it could be okay for somebody, but if you're suffering, going back to how to tell if you're hydrated, things like fatigue, brain fog, headaches, migraines, joint pain, um, constipation, dry skin, all of those things. If you're not feeling fantastic, start learning how to hydrate better and then seeing. But if you're, if you're peeing clear liquid by the end of the day and you're drinking a lot of water and you're perfectly healthy and you feel vibrant and moving fluidly, um, then, then you, it, it could be okay. Yeah. Look for leg cramps though. That's the other thing. Cause that is, um, I can't tell you how many, especially um, like Bikram yogis I have in my office, the hot yogis, they, um, they're like, I hydrate great. I hydrate all the time. I drink so much water. And I ask, well, do you get leg cramps? all the time. I get them before, you know, I get tons of leg cramps. I'm like, well, you need to do something about that. Cause you're not hydrating. Well, you're overhydrating. Well, if you're overhydrating, you're, aren't you like rinsing kind of like flushing out your nutrients to a certain degree and all your minerals and magnesium and. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I, we used to think, I used to think that it was um, way more uh, rare to see that overhydration just from drinking too much water. It's, it's a term called polydipsia. Um, and I used to only think it was either a mental illness or, or cancer. There's certain re reasons why you would do this, but it turns out that I see it on a weekly basis. I'll do blood work and just a basic blood work, a, 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 you know, your basic metabolic pro profile, which looks at your sodium and your chloride and their sodium and chloride is low. And I'll ask them, do you drink a lot of water? I drink a ton of water. Well, you're drinking too much. You need to, you need to add a little electrolytes back into that water. You're, you're, you're overhydrating. Yeah. So how does, the, how does the body make use of what the high, the water that we put in it or the sources of hydration that we put in it? I mean, you somewhere in, in the book, there, there's a, a lot of conversation um, about all sorts of types of foods um, are, and macronutrients that actually play a part. And macronutrients, for those who don't know, are you know, carbohydrates, fat, and protein. And there's some conversations about these high-protein diets, which are, can be dehydrating, that there's also a role for fat. Um, and when we look at carbohydrates, you know, when we think about carbohydrates of whole grains and fruit and vegetables, they play a huge role um, in hydrating us. But I think what would be fascinating to, to like, if we could dive in a little bit to the science of how, you know, if, if our bodies are mostly water and I'm assuming because we're, we're made of cells, then cells are made mostly of water. And those cells get, are the ones that are getting thirsty and sending us signals that we need. Hydrogen. Can you, can you help us sort of like bring food and water and hydration and how our body takes it in. Can it give us a little science? Sure. sure. Um, you know, so once again, the science um, is, is really based on Dr. Gerald Pollack's work. Um, and I will also say, when I say, say it gets complicated, um, not everybody agrees with him. Um, there are water researchers that, that don't necessarily agree on his, the way that he came up with the H3O2 um, Almost every water researcher agrees that there is another phase of water. Um, they can't quite pinpoint it, but I have to say, when you really look at Dr. Gerald Pollack's work and the way that he came up with that, is it makes complete sense to me. And I and I and I and I, um, I think his hypothesis is is viable. Um, and so let's just talk about that for a second. So he calls it easy water. It stands for exclusionary zone water. Um, and basically what the, 
structured water or gel water are the, are the terms we like to use. So structured water makes complete sense. Basically, it's how water molecules layer upon each other, H2O. When they layer upon each other, there's electrons. And electrons, as we know, have um, magnetic forces. Like they, they, they um, either repel or attract to each other. And it's in that layering that you, you get these, these attractions. And, and when you look at it as a big picture, it turns out to be H3O2. And it's in that form that is believed to exist in our cells with intracellularly. And it's in that form that's believed to exist in nature. Things like think about cactus and aloe and chia seeds and cucumber seeds and and even just the water locked in celery and iceberg lettuce and other greens and those and watermelon whatever it may be. Um, and he's done some research and he's looked at um, you know he there are some new tools that are coming out and ways of measuring this and um, and and you know so for example I know he he met he looked at ghee. Um, Ghee is clarified butter, and he said ghee is loaded with gel water. Um, so, uh, so the idea of um, either structuring your water naturally, I think ways to structure water are just by adding electrolytes, eating more vegetables, making smoothies. Um, there are some structured water devices, which are literally like spinning devices, I don't think there's a lot of research behind them. I think there's something to them, but I, but I don't think there's any research in them. Um, and, but you'll, you'll get this water naturally by eating uh, vegetables and fruits and other, other, other things. Um, so the fiber also plays a role in, in helping um, absorb and hold on to that water better than um just by drinking plain bulk water. So that's the idea of, of getting more. And, and, you know, if I'm going to get really technical, I've been, you know, I struggled with this a lot. So you're eating water. And then the final product is, does that water go into your cells? We don't really know. We don't know. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no end point to that. That's where the clinical part comes in. And that's why we relied heavily on clinical studies. And I think, honestly, do a study of one, do it on yourself. People know in two days, even one day of hydrating properly, it changes you. You, yeah. you feel a difference in one day. It's not something you have to go on for three months, a ketogenic diet where you're going to lose weight and you're look at your numbers and then look at your cholesterol. You know it immediately, especially if you're not hydrating well. Yeah. No, it's totally true. I noticed like if I'm not well hydrated, my joints hurt. Um, you know, one of the first things I did was with my father-in-law, like I was like, look, we're going to work on these like steps of hydration, you know, and I've been giving him like chia seeds and psyllium husk and, you know, electrolytes and put a pinch of like non-iodized salt in your water and all these different things. And I remember coming back like two weeks later and like pushing the skin on his cheeks. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like you can just see just in yeah. like his skin and like the plumpness, like it's, you know, this amazing thing. I'm like fatigue and it, yeah. it's real. I, I can't, like, okay. I just want to say something about it. I can't tell you how many people, uh, women come to me and say, I, um, I can't drink water. I get swelling all the time. And I'm like, you need to add some electrolytes to your water or even salt. And they're like, won't that make it worse? 99% of the time it makes it better. Like, you know, because your, your cells are now functioning properly. You're peeing out what you don't need. You're, you know, it's just, it makes everything better. So I, I highly suggest, and let's just talk really quick about salt. I don't know why you said non-iodized. 
Well, I use not, I mean, I'm in fermentation, so I'm just like a big, I'm a big fan of non-iodized salt. Okay. Um, so, you know, I buy up by the bucket. You know, okay. Buckets. <laughs> okay. No. I just, I thought maybe there was something with cancer and iodine that I didn't know. Um, no, I don't know. No, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So salt though, we want real salt and, and that is a brand, but I'm talking real salt. So as opposed to, you know, table sodium, there's a difference. So you want um, Himalayan pink salt or literally the brand real salt, which is a rock salt or sea salt, sea salt. It turns out there may be a problem because of the plastics that are polluting our oceans, sure. but you know, uh, sea salt does carry the full range of minerals and the sodium and the chloride. You want that whole whole range of minerals that is much different and better than than sort of table salt, plain table salt. Totally. Yeah, I, I was joking in my workshop the other day. I was like, I've become like a spokesperson for Redmond's Real Salt. I feel like they should just, I should be getting some, you know. Totally. They're that. really you should call them. They send out great samples. They will, they will give you samples to give to your, your workshop people. They're a phenomenal company. Um, and just do a taste test, put in, um, you know, the umbrella salt, mm -hmm. you know, the lady with the umbrella salt and, and real salt, put them in things and just literally stick your finger in each. You taste the difference. It's so much more delicious. Yeah. Well, imagine that transferring to, to your meal as much as it does to helping your cells absorb water. Cause that's what you're trying to say, right? Is that just a bit of salt in the water? We're not talking like, you know, even a teaspoon. we're talking about a, a pinch or two. Right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Like, like an eight ounce glass of water. Yeah. And that just, and, and just as, I mean, engage me here, Dana. It's just literally like the salt is a vehicle to get into my cell that, Absolutely. Through your sodium ion pumps. Got it. Awesome. Okay. So it's really, because people are so confused. It's like, well, I've been told by my doctor not to get close to salt. That if I, you know, if I'm eating too much salt and what we're not talking about, right, is like eating a bag of Doritos, which is loaded with salt or a lean cuisine, which is enough for the enough sodium for the day versus a pinch of salt or night and day. And it's also different salt. It's crappy salt. Right. Yeah. So that is the difference. And, you know, all of those studies that have been, that have been talking about um, low sodium diets for hypertension um, never distinguish between the difference, by the way. Um, and, and there is a lot of pushback now in the regular medicine community that they don't, they don't necessarily need to be on a, on a zero or very low salt, low sodium diet. Um, now that's not to say if somebody has high blood pressure um, to just go eat all the salt you want, you need to, you could play around with it though. And you could definitely talk to your doctor about it. Um, and I, I would go so far as to say um, I've seen people with, you know, if you have salt sensitive hypertension, that's, that is a very specific subset of hypertension, um, then you may not do well with that pinch of sea salt. But the only thing you'll, the only way you'll know is if you do it and look at your blood pressure, you know, uh, and, you know, a few times it's not going to hurt you. Cheryl. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, because I have this, I have this burning question for you, <laughs> which is around fermented foods. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a fermentation whiz kid and, you know, love the gospel of fermentation, but you know, so much of fermentation is, you know, geared around non, you know, non iodized salts. And, you know, like, and I'm always telling my students, I'm like, get yourself some decent salts, like get some good salts, you know, but I mean, I'm also just curious, because I've been thinking about it a lot since I read your book. And I'm like, the fermented foods are pre digested, 
oftentimes vegetables. So you're getting fiber, you know, and then they have all this salt. And then I'm like, I wonder what Dana thinks about fermented vegetables in particular around that as part of our hydration trajectory. Yeah, we, we have a little section in there about fermented vegetables. I think, um, I think it is uh, superfoods as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, let, I mean, just for your gut bacteria, that alone, I think is, um, is, is really good. I'm a huge fan of, of fermentation. I, 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 like I said, I'm serious. I want to take one of your workshops. You better let me know <laughs> when the, when the next one is. Sign up for whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I get to ask the question a lot, you know, you were talking about salt and sodium and all these other things. And it's something that comes up a lot. I mean, I probably teach, I don't know, 200 fermentation workshops, workshops a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's something that comes up often, which is like, you know, you get people who are like, oh, I'm, I don't do salt, or my husband doesn't do salt, or we're supposed to be watching our sodium. And, you know, and it's always this, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, well, you have to listen to your body. And like you accommodate, you can accommodate in other areas of your life. You're not going to sit down and eat like a quart of kimchi, you know, that's, that's a lot. Right. Right. It's a little, it's a little taste. Um, you know, there's, uh, the book is, is pretty well uh, referenced too. And so if you want to pull up some of those references about how sodium is no longer the foe that, that we, that doctors thought it was specifically for heart disease and, and blood pressure, they're in there. That's great. We'll link to those in, in the notes and sort of share, 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 we'll clearly share the book and the link to the book and your website, but also some of these, these offshoots. I think this is great information for sure. Um, Speaking of salt and dehydration, can you kind of summarize what you feel like? Ask the question again. I'm sorry. Can I summarize? There's some background noise. I'm not sure what that is. Um, um, you know, and it's my partner. Hold on. He's a, he is, hold on. Yes. And he's a corporate coach. So he, uh, he's on, uh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we shall soundproof. <laughs> um, well, what I was, I was asking, so Dana, what are the big dehydrators? So speaking of salt, we we've been d- diving into that with this with the, with the perception that is a big dehydrator. Yeah, and we know that in high volumes and the wrong kind of salt, it can be. But there are other dehydrators which you talk a lot about in Quinch. Can you give us a summary? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is alcohol. Mm. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, you know, there's no, there's no, I can't, I can't give any good. Um, good positive thing about alcohol and people know it. You have a few drinks and the next day your lips are so chapped and dry and, you know, because your body just, your liver has to metabolize that alcohol and it uses a ton of water to detox and that kind of thing. So alcohol is, is um, one, any processed foods, you know, processed food, your body has to work harder at it. Um, As far as like foods, food, foods, um, other than the, you know, processed foods, I don't think I, I don't think we really talk about um, much else as a dehydrating food. More our environments, you know, medications, um, our 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 cell phones, our five G, fluorescent lighting. Um, we're living in desert, <laughs> desert, you know, deserts in our homes. Um, you know. So those are, those are the, the more dehydrating and we're sitting all day. That's dehydrating. 
you know, meaning it's not really dehydrating, but it's, um, it's not, uh, we, there's a whole section on, on, on fascia and how we need hydration to, um, to make our fascia work. And when we're sitting all day, we're not moving, we're not twisting, we're not turning. Um, movement is a hydrating act. So we need to, we need to move more. Um, I loved the I love the iteration and the approachability uh, that that is used in Quench about making micro movements. We're not talking about needing to go for a two mile walk. Um, we're not even talking about doing a thirty minute yoga class. What what you're really saying to to all of us is just keep our keep our bodies moving. I love this. There was a study about um, a group of people who were just told to fidget one leg for three hours in a case in Britain, and I thought, what? But it was clear that they could test sort of the how high. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can clarify because I'm going to confuse what they tested. But basically, those who could fidget that one leg for three hours, that leg was more hydrated than the other. What it did, they did muscle biopsies and what it did to the cells at a cellular level. It's um, it's yeah. You know, people who fidget is a good thing. Um, and I wish like, you know, let, let kids fidget in school, let them, you know, and pe- like the, I, I often wonder about how much ADHD is, you know, would be affected if we let kids get up and go get some water, like move, go. She, my co-author did a pilot study with, with some schools here in New York and taught kids where the fountains were. And instead of yelling at them or having them sit so still, let them get up, let them go get water, come back down and they're a completely different mindset. Um, yeah, it's really interesting stuff. But the movement, um, yeah, you said, basically you can make it up. Like there's no, there's no, you know, twist, bend, um, you know, circle movements, twisting, nodding up and down, you know, those are micro movements. Um, So try to get up every morning and move every joint that you have, just sort of shake it out, shake, do ankle swirls, try to go from your feet up to your head, try to think where, however your body can move, make it move. And where I I use this, this um, example a lot. And and it, and I think it really hits home. We've become a nation of, of, we know sedentary people, but everything is convenient, including um, our cars now have cameras in the front. So you no longer have to turn around to look out the back to back out of your driveway. Everything is so easy, you know? And I remember like my mom is like, Oh, I can't do that. You know, but, but she, had to do it and um now they're not even doing it so we, we gotta we gotta move yeah we do have to move and um i really appreciate how approachable quench makes it to just give us a guide give us some little tips to coach us through um this is not a huge lift to get our bodies well hydrated this is really just being conscious and i've i think i've heard you say on some other interviews, Dana, that it really is about one thing that you do need to focus on is that this is something we have to stay present to. Yeah, it's the one rule I have. So I am somebody who I used to be, I used to, I used to not be this way. So meaning, you know, you come in, I put you on an Atkins or a ketogenic diet. If you're not losing weight, it's because you're not perfect on it. And you need to get even more perfect. You need to get every single carb out of your diet or else you're not going to lose weight. That is so I've learned so far out the window. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't work for anybody. Um, and uh, so I, I am pretty, you know, that 80, 20 rule, if you're doing something 80%, you're, you're, you're okay. You're going to be okay. And once again, it's more about mindset than anything anyway. 
except in with hydration, it is a day in day out thing that you need to stay on top of. Um, and if that's the one thing you do, I'm telling you, your life's going to change and you're going to be all, all the, all the better for it. So stay on top of your hydration, live in your body, give it what it needs, drink when it needs it, do some green smoothies. The, the greatest thing you can do for your body is drink a green smoothie a day, meaning blended vegetables with water and then whatever else you want to put in there um, is, is a great practice to get into. I love this. I've actually, um, I'm an artist in the other half of my life and I, I still, I teach and on Wednesday nights, I, or not Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, I teach a three hour abstract drawing class um, over Zoom. And, and it's been really fun because I've been implementing some of your practices into my drawing class. And my, my students all know, like I'm in functional medicine. I have this kind of other thing that I do and they, you know, kind of tease me a lot about my, my hippy dippiness, but um, you know, it's like they're all hunched over their stuff working. And I'm constantly like usually twice during class, I'll be like, so guys get up, move, get some water, stay hydrated. And like, and you know, we do it like twice during class and it's adults and like, and they're all like, Oh, and you see them like, you know, <sighs> you like yeah. their bodies getting up. Yeah. And, you know, even when I was still teaching kids in person, every time my kids arrived from school, I'd be like, go to the water fountain, get some water, go to the bathroom. Yeah. Have you moved your body? Great. You know, they're like, I'm burning out on a project. I'll be like, so go do a few laps, go get a drink of water, come back, look at it with, you know, fresh eyes. And yeah. it's like, and it's a game changer. And I was doing that before, you know, before I met you, cause I realized the kids are just dehydrated, but, um, yeah. You know? So that, that brings tears to my, I'm serious. Like that chokes me up. Like my job is done. Like that is so incredible to pass that on to you. And then for you to pass that on to your class, like, God, how, what more could I ask for? That is phenomenal. Thank you. Oh. Like that is so great. Yeah. 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 And I, you know what? And I mean, even in my, I teach an introductory gut health class. Um, and that's been pretty popular. You know, we talk about all kinds of stuff from like eating hygiene to sleep hygiene to just a lot of things to get them thinking and kind of going in directions. And, you know, once I read quench, it like immediately went on my book rec list for them. And I added a whole like other component to the hydration section of that class. But cause I was like, guys, this is really like, you yeah. have to think about this thing. And I, and I think what I've seen chronically um, in, you know, fermentation and from my own students and my own clients is, people coming to me all the time with GI stuff and being like in this kind of like GI crisis. And, you know, for me, and it's part of the reason I went back to school for functional medicine is because I was constantly having to send these people to other practitioners and they couldn't find good ones and realizing we don't have enough good practitioners out there, but also how many of them are just like dehydration, you know, like yeah. that, you know, the whole trifecta and that interconnectedness and that chain of all the things you know, yeah. and just drink more water all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, in my office, um, we've implemented like everybody takes turns making a smoothie 
for everybody at lunchtime. Um, and as soon as I, I'm opening a new office uh, in a couple weeks, as soon as we get into that, we have a bigger space, I'm going to do, um, there's like a four minute hit exercise that I, that I know it's, that's really simple. Everybody can do it. It takes no space. It's like squats and no weights. And you're doing some arm movements that I'm going to just make all of us do that at lunchtime, four minutes, you know, and start to, you know, so if we could do it as a group and start implementing some of these things, I just want one other thing comes to mind. I remember um, I had a patient that worked for BlackRock, which is a big, um, I don't know if it's a hedge fund or something. Uh, and BlackRock ended up taking, and I, I forget why they did it. I think they did it to get people, they took the garbage cans away, their personal garbage cans away from their desks. So they'd have to get up and throw their garbage can away, you know, gar throw their garbage um, away and not just, you know, so it's one, yeah. one thing to get them up a little bit, even if it's a two second thing of moving, like we got to get creative here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That has been one thing around the pandemic that's popped up, at least, you know, the buzz around all of us stuck at home. There's even just not like, there's this expectation that we're supposed to be glued to our computers even more hours. There's no longer the commute. If you were a New Yorker or lived in a city where you could bike or walk, uh, or it, that's, yeah. that's taken out of the, the equation. Yeah. Um, how have you been working with clients in this new era of, of, you know, the virtual commute to help them translate all this? Yeah, but well, so both. I've I've still been seeing patients uh, in in another in a separate. I've been renting, subletting a little space in in somebody's office. So I still have been seeing, and patients have the option to either come in or not. Um, and I'd say it's about fifty fifty. Um, so, but once again, it's 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 getting creative, trying to come up with what's going to work for people. And I think if we all start to like, you know, on your Zoom calls start to say, you know what, can we take a two second break? Let's all get up and move. You know, we do it in lectures all the time. Doctors do it in our lectures. Like, all right, before I start this, everybody up, you know, let's, let's do a little stretching. Let's do like, especially now, I think that that's so important. Like just little reminders. I don't know. It's simple. It's not, it can't be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated and really isn't complicated, no. but it's no. so essential, which is yeah. why um, bringing you in and talking about hydration as one of the, the, first of our many, hopefully many future episodes, is this, this is a, just a, such a foundational piece. I think so too. Yeah. Um, do you want to send us away with like three, you've given us so many gems, by the way, there's, there's so many. Um, do you want to, is there like a three essential little tips from Dr. Dana Cohen that you want to send us away on? Um, you know, it's funny, you sent me some questions. And, um, and I, the, the one thing I did write, write down were three, and what was the question? I forget how you put it. It wasn't essential. Um, three practical things that we can do daily to support wellness. And what okay. I was just reading from our, our yes. Yeah. So three practical to support our wellness. And, um, and so I want to, so obviously number one is hydrate, um, part of that hydration. Um, and I, and, you know, I just, this only, this is going to sound so crazy and so simple. It only just recently dawned on me, like load, just eat vegetables, load up on them, shovel them in, who cares? Like, you know, you just literally eat the shit out of your vegetables. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two, which is interesting. I didn't realize you were an artist, um, Cheryl, um, have a creative outlet. 
mind over matter is everything. You need some kind of creative outlet in this world. And um, people who know me know I go, like, I'll buy everything I need to make. I'm going to make soap. And I'll buy, you know, I'll spend whatever, a few hundred dollars. I'll buy everything. I'll make one thing of soap and I'm done with it. On to the next thing. Um, but you have to have, I mean, I wish I were a musician. I wish I had a, 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 a band that I could, you know, but I'm not. So you got to find your creative outlet. I met my partner in an improv class, improv for leaders. You know, it's, it's you have to, and especially like I'm one-on-one with patients all day long. I'm listening all day long. I don't even know how to have a two-way conversation anymore, you know? So improv was really good for me in that sense. Um, and then the third thing is you know, we talked a little bit of let go of things that don't serve you that 80, like for example, that 80, uh, 20, you know, that hundred percent ketogenic diet, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it doesn't work for many people. Now that's not to say that I still don't prescribe it for some people and cycling in and out of a ketogenic diet is good for some people, but that, you know, that, that such rigid behavior is, um, is, is never a good thing for so many people. And, and until you sort of let go of it, that's when you're going to get truly healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's getting up every day and saying, what can I do today? Like, right? What can I do? What yeah. can I actually realistically, you know, do? You and can eat a shitload of vegetables, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, great. Did you spend, you know, an hour chopping cabbage while you listen to a podcast, you know? I mean, like, whatever it is. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I try, you know, that's like one of my mantras. It's just like every day, I'm like, what can I do today? I love it. Love and it. You have control over, I think, it, and it's really what you're saying, Dana, which is awesome. And yeah remind us of like we, we don't have control over a lot of things in our lives but some some of the simplest things that make a big impact we, we yeah. certainly do yep and um and make use of them so thank you including hydration yes yes, yes. you're such a gift thank you oh thank, thank you, you ladies what's your next book gonna be on um it's on there pandemic what I just took a stab in the dark oh, um, I, so well that I was like, I hope she's writing more books. Go for thank it. you. Um, I actually am writing a, a book on pandemic proofing your health. Um, so, you know, we have vaccines. I'm not anti-vaccine at all. Um, but what this, what this pandemic has taught us is that it is a disease of lifestyle and there's going to be another bug around the corner. There's going to be, you know, so we need to, we need to learn how to, and people came, I, I think the silver lining in in this pandemic is that people finally get it. They realize that, you know, the people who were hit hardest with COVID are the people who had, you know, comorbidities and diabetes and obesity and all those kind of things. And, um, and reaching out in record numbers, what kind of supplements can I take? How can I cook for myself? What am I doing? You know, so I hope that that sticks. I hope that the cooking for yourself, I hope that the you know, wanting to take care of their bodies better sticks. Um, and, um, and I'm going to give, you know, it's a, it's a big supplementation book to really trying to, to have people understand what they're taking and why they're taking it. And not everybody was doing it right, you know, for, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Much needed. Thank you for working on that. Um, from my, my clinical nutrition perspective, it is a maze and, um, You either have people coming in saying, I'm not taking anything because I can't figure it like it, like nothing makes sense to me or I'm taking everything. And here's, you know, a a gallon bucket full of all the things that I'm on. And so it's 
it's really hard to get it right. So thank you. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Just like, I mean, a quick teaser about that, like elderberry. Elderberry turns out to be a really good um, elderberry extract, obviously not eating raw, raw elderberries. Um, turns out to be a very good preventative measure for, for viruses and COVID and that kind of thing. Right. But if you were to get symptoms, it could actually be, be detrimental to you. Right. And a lot of people don't, don't know that. So those kind of things, um, zinc, you need to, you need to add copper to zinc. You know, there's, there's lots of, there's, there's lots of little things and then really trying to understand and what's um, putting, putting some um, also grounded in science and putting some um, clearing up those questions. I love that. I'm always telling my fermentation students, I'm like, guys, take care of your terrain. <laughs> and your For terrain, sure. And your terrain will take care of you. Like it's, take care of your microbes. <laughs> they will take care of you. <laughs> it is everything like that, that like people hear that say it again, take care of your microbes and they will take care of you. Yeah. Eat your fermented foods, get dirty, dig in soil. You carry three trillion bacteria and viruses in and on you at all times. Yeah. Yeah, because there will be another virus around the corner, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And until our terrains are in better shape, um, you know, we're not going to have a vaccine for everything or we're not going to have a treatment for everything. Like, you know, we were caught with our hands up in the air with this one. Yeah. 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 I love that. I'm excited. Good. Yes. <laughs> Here's to a new year and, and, and a healthy year ahead of us. 2021 has to be better than 2020. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, for all of us. And um, we want to thank you deeply for your time and, and all of your wisdom. So thank you for joining us on Peeling the Onion podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You have just finished another episode of Peeling the Onion podcast. Music is by Greg Dijazu. You can also stay in touch with us over Instagram at Peeling the Onion Podcast and on our website at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. We would love to receive your feedback on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Peeling back the onion.